for leaders, LinkedIn is still relevant, but all these other platforms can be relevant for you too, depending on your industry. But for young people, TikTok and Instagram rule their world. But we cannot not talk about YouTube. YouTube is everybody. I always remind people, I'm like, YouTube is the number one used social media platform in the world. So if your organization is not making video and as a leader, if you are not the face of at least the majority of those videos, then what's going on over there? What's happening? So while there's things that young people are interested in and older generations are into, everyone is on YouTube. And so don't neglect that in your mix. Have you ever noticed that some of the best ideas come from unexpected places? Your next breakthrough may come from a leader facing similar challenges, but in a completely different sector. Welcome to Chief Influencer. I'm your host, Anthony Shaw. Join us as we explore how today's successful leaders inspire, influence, and connect with others. Chief Influencer is a production of Social Driver and the Communications Board, who have teamed up to spotlight how great leaders and communicators are making their impact in the world. This episode is brought to you by the George Washington University's College of Professional Studies. With in-person and online programs, ranging from master's degrees in public relations strategy to certificate programs in digital communications, GW offers more than just the credentials to help working professionals get ahead. It prepares them to be leaders in their field. As a proud GW graduate myself, I can attest that faculty members combine academic rigor with real-world lessons that can't always be found in textbooks. Check out cps.gwu.edu for more information. Today, my guest is Francis Reimers, founder and CEO of Firestarter. Firestarter is a personal brand consultancy that helps the country's leading high school, collegiate, and professional athletes, coaches, and sports executives develop, manage, enhance, and protect one of their most critical professional assets, their brands. Francis's client roster reads like an ESPN highlights reel. The Denver Nuggets, Las Vegas Raiders, Washington Commanders, San Francisco 49ers, and on and on. She is a leading expert on personal branding and name, image, and likeness education. And if you don't know about NIL, we're going to talk more about that soon. And she's been featured by CNN, O Magazine, Forbes, Athletic Business, Front Office Sports, and many more. Francis, I am so excited to have you with us today. Welcome to Chief Influencer. Thank you for having me. You know, you started your career advising association, nonprofit, and corporate clients, and now you've carved out this expertise in working with athletes at all levels. Can you tell us about the opportunity that a leader can make with their personal brand compared to the corporate brand? Yeah. So the leader has a key opportunity as personal branding has evolved over the past decade. um, It was once upon a time, the leader was behind the corporate brand. And now I truly think the leader can step out in front of the corporate brand and depending on the industry can lead the corporate brand. In particular instances, it's perfectly fine for the CEO to be the brand and the brand to be the CEO. It's really becoming an interchangeable dialogue and one that CEOs should no longer shy away from. You know, it's it's interesting that you've been able to transition that expertise working with major corporate brands 
to those leaders. And it occurs to me that some CEOs and leaders do recognize what you say, but some are still maybe kind of hiding behind that corporate brand. And I'd like just love to hear um, what you're observing. So some people, some CEOs or some executives that I've worked with over the years, they just feel they're not interesting enough or their personality isn't big enough to be the leader of a brand. And I'm, I, I usually stop them right there and say, this isn't about that. You're not trying to win a popularity contest. You're trying to tell a story. And you have ascended to this position within your organization, which means you have evolved with the story of likely this industry, or you have a very interesting leadership trajectory story. So lean on that and step forward. You know, we're not in high school. This is not the student council elections. You're not trying to win a popularity contest. You're trying to tell a story. And if your organization or your your board of directors or a combination of the two are asking you to step out and be that face, I think you need to, one, pat yourself on the back because you have that support of those around you and take a second and understand that you probably do have a story or something involved. Uh, there's something in about you that would benefit the organization if you stepped out front. Absolutely. You know, it, I'm kind of chuckling because you said we're not in high school anymore talking to leaders. And yet some of the clients you work with, they actually are these amazing athletes who are even at the high school level, they are being recruited and targeted. And I'm wondering, what are some of the the building blocks of integrated marketing that apply, whether you're working with, you know, a CEO who has decades of experience or whether you are working with a rising star who's just getting started. Yeah. Well, the the great fundamental piece with everybody is who are you? Because there's there's what we think right? That people think of us. There's what we think of ourselves, all the four spheres of self. We all learned this in communications in college. Um, but really, it doesn't matter if I'm working with an eighth grade star quarterback in Tampa or the CEO of a professional football team. It's always so interesting to me. The very second I ask them, who are you? Some people can't answer that question. And so that's always the best place for me to start with brand building is because if you don't know, guess what? It's not coming through in your content. I don't care how creative you get. So in building a, a personal brand, first things first, who are you? And then what do you want the world to know about you? Um, constantly, we all think we are not interesting. And most of us really are. We have stories, backgrounds, hobbies, um, particular interests that are of interest to other people. And if you're a CEO or a professional football player, guess what? You want people to follow you for all of the things that you are. Um, I tell this to my athletes all the time. If you get people to follow you because of some unique organization that you follow or particular talent that you have, and they could care less if you play football, they're just following you because you love woodworking too. That is where you're going to see the real returns. You want people to follow you for all of your honeypots, not just the one honeypot. And for most, for most CEOs, they think people just want to follow them because they're the CEO. And I say, 
find a lot of different reasons for people to tune in because you never know where the next piece of business, you never know where the next opportunity is going to come. So expand that range. But the building block always starts with who are you? And it's so amazing that people have a really hard time answering that question. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. They do. And you have uh, developed this talent over the course of your career for helping people discover the answer to that question. And I wonder, can you talk a little bit about how you tease it out of them? Because if they start with going, I don't know how to answer that question. um, And yet I've seen the results of your work where it really does come out. What do you do to help people figure out the answer to that tough question, who they are? Yeah, it, it's, I, I mean, I maybe should have gotten a psychology degree or a therapist degree um, because it's a lot of that. Um, before I sit down with a client, I spend a lot of time observing them, observing their social media, observing what they're posting, what they're not posting, um, articles, if they have had articles written about them or they've done their own original content Reading through that, um, people are telling us things all the time, either consciously or subconsciously. And I like to sit back and and people think because I'm an incredibly chatty person that I'm not paying attention. I'm very much paying attention to what you answer, what you don't answer, how your body moves, where you're looking. If 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 my client has somebody with them, are they turning to that person before they answer a question or are they answering the question on their own? There's so many pieces of who we are and what we what we do and do not do out there if somebody wants to take the time to read through the lines. So I spend a lot of time like kind of personality dissecting. And what I find is when I come to the person and I say, okay, you're telling me this, but what I'm seeing is this. Why haven't we explored these five, 10 things over here? And nine times out of 10, the person is like, had no idea, had no idea. I didn't know that was even there, or I didn't know how to put that out there for people to care about or know. And so we go there, we open up that honey pot. And a lot of people have really seen a lot of success some people, all of this stuff was in their brain. They just needed permission from somebody else to put it out there. They needed someone else to be like, it's totally fine to talk about your, you know, your huge interest in XYZ. And so, and that's really all I do. I sit and observe the person. I observe what they're saying and not saying, um, especially people in leadership positions or professional athletes. You can learn a lot by watching them give interviews, especially someone like me whose career started in PR. Um, I watch an interview and I'm seeing what they do say, which we all see, but I can also sit there and go, well, you were supposed to say something else here. I know your industry and there was this going on too. Why didn't you talk about that? Um, So dissecting that um, really helps me kind of sit in front of somebody and be like, there's all these other things. And so it, uh, that's that's really kind of what I do. The secret the secret sauce of of helping my clients kind of come out of their own shell or get out of their own way in in yeah. some instances. You know, we we talked a little. We're going to talk more about how your clients have to influence others, but you also, as a leader, have to influence a variety of stakeholders, um, including the the client base that you work with. Can you talk about? How you do that? How do you 
connect with um, these leaders, these athletes, these executives, because that's the door that lets you do what you just described. Yeah. So I start, I've start for the past seven years. My philosophy when I started Firestarter was that I was going to be an education first provider. Um, There's lots of people in the sports industry and it's always do for me, then I will do for you. And I started my company being like, I will educate you and you will see that I know what I'm talking about. And in turn, you will come and employ me. Obviously a tactic that has worked, but I have spent probably hundreds of thousands of hours over the past seven years just giving free education. Uh, parents, students, coaches, administrators will DM, call me, text me, see me at events and stop me out of nowhere and just ask me things that are burning on their brain. And they just haven't been able for anyone to give them an honest and direct answer. And I do. And it is always paid off in the end. I know there's always that, you know, as an entrepreneur, don't give too much away for free because it'll burn you in the end. Maybe it'll burn me eventually, uh, but so far it's it's been my ticket in the door with a lot of people uh, because sometimes people just want to know that you care and educating and guiding and being a light is showing that you care and that it's not about the dollars, it's about the results. And And I know that's true in all industries, but in the sports industry, demonstrating that you're not here for the profit, you're here for the person, it... it makes all all the difference in the world. And sports is so much about showing up in person. And I know you travel all the time and you, you know, are at all of these events, but how do you use your digital presence to support that? Right? So we marketers, we know, we're taught from day 1 that you got to look at something from every sphere, right? You got to the the buffalo method using every piece of the buffalo um as as you possibly can oh, and like so that. when that's a very it, Wyoming thing to that say that is very Wyoming <laughs> right um and and so whenever I get the opportunity again this is something that I've deployed since day one if I get my foot in the door if I'm allowed in the room I am going to use every tool in my toolbox when I'm there and that includes letting people know I'm going to be there in advance. So using my platforms or even the organization's platforms, if they will allow it to let people know that I am there and I'm going to be available. Of course, the second I get on on site, letting anyone and everyone know that I'm available. And I do that through my digital means, my social platforms. Also, texts and calls, you know, just letting people I know that are there, hey, I'm here, mm-hmm. uh, get a hold of me. And then of course, figuring out which rooms, where to be, when, how, um, and and being there. And then of course, as all of us, all of us association people know, after the event, the follow-up, 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 Make, making sure that if you that person gave you their business card doesn't matter if they're in your industry or a potential client or not. You don't know who knows who. I mean, a perfect example, I just found a business card in an old bag of a man that I met at the NFL Combine two years ago whose nephew just got drafted into the NFL. And I reached out to him and was like, I am so sorry I found your uh, card in my bag just literally today 
how are you? And he was like, oh my gosh, my nephew just got drafted. We need to talk. And so it's, it's, you know, it's, it's that follow-up, but using every piece that you possibly can. And CEOs should be doing this regardless, whether it's an industry, you know, an industry meeting, a something that, you know, a happy hour that you're just invited to, you just never know what's going to bring back to your organization. So use every, every tool in the toolbox to, to grow and, and bring people in. As long as I've known you, you always have talked about integrated marketing. And I really, um, love this perspective that you're bringing because it's it makes total sense it just seems like okay duh but so many people don't do it they think of i'm showing up in person right i mean going to be an event or i'm on stage or i'm showing up digitally and you say wait a minute how do i make sure my digital presence maximizes that opportunity and i always hear stories from you about i was here but you know somebody was across this room of a thousand people but they knew i was there because of social media and then they came across and found me and that's sort of like a mind blowing thing i think for a lot of folks they don't necessarily connect the two in the way that you do right and also i think a lot of people you know they they and i i see this a lot with leaders whether it's in sports or other industries they view what i'm doing as kind of look at me look at me and and maybe it's a generational thing. I don't know. I just don't look at it that way. I look at it as look at my business, look at my business. And it's, you know, I'm not making crazy videos of me doing wacky things. This is straight, hey, I'm here. This is what I'm for. This is why you can talk to me. Here I am. That's not look at me, look at me. To me, that's smart business. And yeah. if you're, if you or your company is paying for you to be at something, maximize it. Like I don't leave any stone unturned because why are you there then? If it, unless it's just a boondoggle, but I, I, as a small business owner and a woman in an industry that's predominantly male, I'm going to use every piece that I can to do as much business as I can. And, and it's, it's really funny because over the years, People don't remember my name, but I've walked into many a room and people have been like, it's Firestarter Lady. <laughs> and I, I'm perfectly fine with that. If you don't remember my name, that's perfectly fine. If, but you know my company name, perfectly fine. Um, just last weekend, I was in Birmingham, handed my business card to a sports agent and he was like, oh, Firestarter, I know you. You're the Firestarter Lady. One of my clients was talking about you. And I was like, fantastic. Then this just made this conversation shorter. So I don't care how people remember it as long as they remember it. But this is something that every business leader I should be doing. This is not look at me, look at me. This is I'm here to do business. I'm here to do business. And I'm here to help is something yeah. that I always see from you. And maybe you. I loved what you did when you were getting started. I think you called it Talk to Me Tuesdays. Tell everybody about that. Yeah. So when I first was getting started, um, every Tuesday I would put out on my social media and I just called it talk to me Tuesday. And I truly left all of my social platforms open. People could email me, people could text me, um, any questions they had about marketing, PR, sponsorships, events, how they all work together. How much money does it cost to do a campaign? You know, I, I can't afford having a representative 
What's the first thing I should do if I'm doing this on my own? Whatever the question was, I did my best every single Tuesday to get through every question. And I would get it from every industry, not just sports, but people in for-profit, nonprofit, government. Um, I think people just liked having a friendly face that they could ask these questions to and, and knew that I would respond. And that was something that really helped open doors um, and really brought people to to my doorstep was because I was just like, hey, I'm here. Um, I'm going to be here regardless. So you might as well ask your questions. And now I, d- I don't post it anymore because now, you know, my audience just knows to shoot me a DM and, and I'll respond to you as, as quickly as I can. Um, but it was a really great tool, especially in the early days of my company, of just letting people know the door really is open. There's no catch. I'm not going to answer your question and send you a link to become a client or send you a bill or require that you sign up for anything. I never took any data. I never took anything. It was, here's the answer. If you want more, you know where to find me. And and people, I think, really appreciated that true, honest, no frills sort of help. And some of those folks that you gave free advice to, they're in the pros now, right? Yes. Yep. College kids that either, you know, their their athletic department brought me in to do a one-hour presentation or their mom um, s- sat next to me on an airplane. This is actually a true story. I was flying um, from Atlanta back to DC and I was sitting next to this lovely woman on the plane And she saw me working on something on my laptop and asked what I did. And I explained, and she was like, oh my goodness, my son is about to go through the draft. Can I ask you some questions? And I was like, absolutely. Answered all kinds of questions. Her son goes through the draft. You know, I'm following him. I assume he's off and running and and doing well with life. And then all of a sudden his mom, couple, like a year later, his mom reaches out and is like, we really could use your help. Can we, you know, hire you to do X, Y, Z? Absolutely. Um, and I did, and it was great and, and he's doing great. And so it's, you just, you just never know. So I just always tried to keep myself open to, to people and try to be that person that's like, yeah, what's your question? I can help you. Um, and I'm always honest with people if I'm like, I appreciate your question, but that's that's kind of a multi-part thing. And and so I always draw the line. Um, it's not like people are getting thousands of dollars yeah. of advice, but um, this is this is just opened the door and allowed people to come at me and and people that I gave free advice to once upon a time eventually did end up being clients, which is just always such a blessing. I love that. You know, a lot of leaders, they really struggle with how to use like social media and how to keep in touch and how to balance the time commitment. And I know you have a kind of weekly tactic that has worked for you. I wonder if you could tell everybody about that. Yeah. So, I mean, I I did this even before I started my company, but every Monday morning, the first thing I do, no matter how hectic the day is going to be in front of me get my coffee, sit down at the computer, and I just open up my LinkedIn and just start going through my contact list, looking for three people that I have not spoken to in six months or more. And and I thought eventually I was going to run out of people, but no, it, it, I still find every Monday. You know morning, a lot of people. <laughs> yeah, I know a lot of people. So I still keep finding folks. Um, but 
every Monday morning, I re- I reach out to three people I haven't spoken to in six months or more, and there is no agenda other than, hi, how are you? What's new? If you want to catch up, let's do so. And that one little thing has led to so many amazing, great things because we're all busy. And even though I'm very out there and people see what I'm up to, people have their own lives and they may have not seen what I've been up to for the past seven years. And so, so many times people have been like, oh, oh my God, I had no idea this is what you were doing. Like my son, my nephew, my niece, my, you know, my grandson could use your help. And and wow. that is where the conversation evolves or oh my gosh, you know, my association is doing blah and this is the route I think I'm going to take. What do you think? And and so it's led to so many fun conversations with people that maybe maybe we connected one time and nothing came of that. And now there's a deeper connection. Or maybe we've known each other for years. We've just both been incredibly busy and now we're re-in-touching. But the added bonus to that action, of course, is the reconnecting on LinkedIn, which is always fantastic. But that also spreads to other platforms. So when somebody knows that I'm doing something else, now they're following me on Instagram or on on the product formerly known as Twitter. Um, they're 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 reaching out to other platforms, and so yeah. there is an added you know an added engagement benefit to these encounters. But the great thing is just, you know, people just like to be seen and they just like to be remembered. And when you pop up out of nowhere, there's been more than a few times where somebody has been like, this made my day, this made my week because I just felt like nobody was seeing me. And now here you are. So you just never know what the benefit is going to be. And so it's always just been a really fun tactic that has multiple benefits. I love that example, Francis, because one, it obviously comes through whether people have known you for a long time like me or whether they're just hearing you for the first time, that you're so passionate about the work that you do and you're really passionate about building relationships and helping people. So that weekly tactic, it works so well for you. And I bet there are folks who hear it and say, oh my gosh, I could do that too. But the other thing I like about it is for folks who may be more you know, introverted and that may not be the right tactic for them. The fact that you've taken something that works and you've made it a consistent rhythm mm-hmm. where you do it at the same time and you do the same thing, that's that's way less daunting than saying, oh my gosh, let me sit down and, you know, I haven't talked to 500 people. What am you know, where are you going to start? And so whether somebody wants to, to do your rule of three and copy that, or whether there's something else that makes sense for them, but they just find a consistent way where like you do it first thing every Monday. I think that's just such a beautiful takeaway. I just love that you're willing to to share that tip with everyone. Thank you. And I think following the pandemic, it's something that we need probably now more than ever because I think people have drifted way far apart. Even yeah. though we're we're in person now and all of that, it's amazing to me just how a couple of years has really created a continental divide of, of human interaction. And so it's it's been wonderful reconnecting with people that I just saw them maybe a year ago, but because we were so isolated, people are just so grateful for human engagement. And, yeah. and I always get intel 
that I can use for different projects, different. There's been more than once that a Monday email has given me a heads up that I've been able to pass on to a friend or an old colleague or a person I met at a dinner party two weeks ago who I know is looking for a job in this industry. And now I just heard about one. So it's there, there's a lot of added benefits here, but for exactly for an introvert, if you're looking for a passive way to just stay in touch, maybe one person every Monday, yeah. maybe one, and that's where you start. But it gets you, you know, for the introvert leader, this is a very passive, safe way to keep your your face above the fold for people. Yeah, absolutely. I want to shift gears a little bit because you have all of this expertise in the worlds of both marketing, communications, but also um, sports and athletics. And I know a lot of folks are hearing about and reading about NIL, name, image, and likeness. And some folks might know a little bit about that. And some people who are tuning in, they may not know anything about what that topic is. Can you just tell us what do we need to know about NIL? Sure. Yeah, that's a, that's a five-hour conversation in of itself. <laughs> but the quick and dirty is once upon a time, collegiate athletes were not able to uh, monetize their brand. They were not able to, to gain funds off of their likeness because it conflicted with NCAA rules or amateur rules. Um, July 20 of July of 2021, the NCAA opened the floodgates saying that student athletes could profit from their name, image, and likeness so long as it didn't conflict with uh, you know, topics that the NCAA found unsavory, drugs, alcohol, firearms, gambling, th- those sorts of things. But now athletes at the collegiate level could now get paid for doing social media campaigns, paid for appearances, um, start businesses of their own, even if the business was part of their sport, like personal training or group training. Up to this point, they couldn't do any of those things without forfeiting their eligibility. And so that has been moving forward. But additionally, 23 states in the country now allow high school athletes to benefit from their name, image, and likeness. Hence why I have clients from eighth grade up, because in 23 states, if you are in high school, you too can can benefit from your name, image, and likeness so long as it's not part of anything unsavory. Um, and so I knowing this was coming, I knew NIL was coming about two, two and a half years before it even became a thing. So I started developing brand building education, um, basically teaching young people what I've been teaching leaders and CEOs and and doing in, in my world for 20 years, which is building a brand. How do you even do that? What does that look like from the personal perspective? And once it's built, then what? Um, because as you and I know, and every market are listening to this, it's one thing to build it, but then what are you doing with it after it? And how do you keep the interest coming? And and how do you do that in a way that that doesn't damage you in the long run? Because right, we're talking about human beings, and these kids, these young people, not only need to monetize while they're in the spotlight of sports, but I'm educating them to make sure that they are building a brand that's going to last them a lifetime because most of them will not go on to play professional sports. And so uh, building a brand to monetize in college, but building a brand that also helps you become a good, successful adult 
it is a large endeavor and helping them get the tools that they need to do that um, has been has been very important to me. And so that's what NIL is and and why, you know, I, I'm in this space helping these young people build. But now I've kind of transitioned to this role of I'm helping these young people monetize just like I have been for years with with okay. my professional athletes. So the reason I wanted to ask about this is because I know, as you just said so well, you're taking these lessons that you have from working with CEOs, leaders, and you're bringing that back to these young people who can now, um, you know, they can now take advantage of those opportunities because of NIL. A lot of our listeners are the leaders and the, the trusted communications advisors. So I want to sort of flip it. What can those seasoned leaders learn from the success of young athletes who are building a following and building a brand in today's environment. Yeah, I think I think the biggest lessons is what is a little scary but also very inspirational about my young clients is they're not afraid just to get out there. They if if they want to do it, they go. Mm-hmm. And they're really it they they are very big on wanting to stay authentic to themselves but they understand how to diversify themselves from the pack and they just get out there and do it. They're not afraid to be creative with content. They're not afraid to experiment with new things. And I really think that's the world that we're in. And I really think that leaders should should take a page from these young men and women that are like, this is who I am. This is my brand. This is the platform I stand on and go because these young men and women who are behaving in this way have 40,000 followers on on <laughs> platforms. So I think there's a lot to learn from their from from their willingness just to take the reins and and go. Um they they're not afraid for things to be imperfect, um which we in the corporate space and and even in the nonprofit space like We'll grind it into the ground until we think it's perfect. Yeah. And and many times the moment has done passed us by. And these yeah. these young people are willing to go, you know what? If the video's not perfect, okay. If my outfit's not perfect, if I if the graphic is not perfect, but I, I like the overall message, I'm gonna go. And and that's really been a big lesson that I've learned from my own clients is um sometimes, you know, good doesn't have to be perfect and great. Sometimes it would, you know, be something that are making us clutch pearls over on the (laughs) corporate side. And so I think sometimes, especially if you're wanting to be relevant to a particular topic or moment in, in what's happening in our world, you just got to go, you just got to know your message and run. And that's a big thing that, that my own clients have, have taught to me. What advice do you have for somebody that is really struggling to accept that, whether it's a leader or maybe it's a trusted advisor to a leader and their team wants things to be scripted, they want things to be perfect, or even sometimes you have a CEO who says, let's let's move fast and break things, but they're surrounded by these risk-averse people. You know, you have this really unique experience now of having worked with all of these young athletes who've built a following on a shoestring budget. Mm-hmm. What advice do you have for folks who are just really struggling with that mindset? So start small. Start with something. I mean, you know, don't 
you know, start with your organization's capital campaign. Maybe let's maybe let's dial it back. And maybe this is um, a initiative that only goes to your young professional members, or maybe this is something that just goes to your, you know, your your leadership team. Maybe it starts internal, and you want to see the reaction. And if the reaction is great, then we take it external. Um, whatever you have, because I understand, you know, industries like law or finance. They have regulations around what they can and cannot do. So I under, understand some of their trepidation, but it, it's that that's not a crutch that you're going to be able to keep leaning on forever. So try if it's internal, an internal focus group first to see how people react to it or a young professional group, or maybe it's a holiday campaign. You know, everyone's always open to things being a little more fun and open and jolly during the holidays. So maybe try that. I say find find that that tiny morsel in your marketing schedule where you could insert a little life and see how people react. And if you get a massive reaction, well, that tells you everything you need to know. You should you should be going in this direction anyway, as every marketer knows that to be true. Um, but try, if if you're really small, try small. And for a CEO, maybe you, you're, you know, you're an entrepreneur and, and you've been really conservative. Do something small on LinkedIn, maybe write an article that's maybe a little more provocative for your industry than you maybe would have written before. Maybe go to an event for your industry that's a little outside of your your comfort zone, but let people know that you're there. There's there's little touch points I think any leader in any industry or any organization can do to try out what young people are doing every single day to see if it's a fit for them. I love that advice. That is that is such um, <laughs> a great way to help unstick folks when they realize, okay, I can just experiment with something small. And you gave several examples of that. Um, You work with these young folks who are in effect influencers. And so I wonder what advice you have for folks who are thinking about maybe running an influencer campaign or finding a way to work with influencers. How do you match that authentically in a way that, you know, maintains some level of brand safety, but also um, leverages the power of authenticity? Yeah, I so uh, what I do to help people on both sides of this conversation, especially for my collegiate and and high school athletes, I actually create a one pager on each person to hand to an organization that is interested in partnering with them. You know, their social media, their things that they're interested in, their academic background, their uh, athletic background, if that's pertinent to the campaign, who they are, a picture of them in their uniform, but also a picture of them just in everyday life, about their family, about their background, so that the brand or the organization that they're partnering with is getting the full, you know, the full uh, picture of who this young person is and not just relying on what is on their social media, that they're getting something from a vetted adult source saying, this is who this person is. This is who I guarantee who you're getting. So I create that one pager that really helps put the company, nonprofit, whoever at ease, that they're they're getting this nice created document about this person. For the young person, when I'm matching them with a nonprofit or a company, 
really the first person, the first thing I asked this young person is, is this something you believe in or a product you actually use or like? And if they're like, uh, well, if they're tap dancing, I'm like, okay, then we're, we're not going with that. We're going to, we're going to put that on the back burner and we're going to go with something else because you, you and I both know, um, you get somebody in front of a crowd uh, on a screen in any sort of recorded format. And if they don't love it, they can't sell it. And then everybody's disappointed. Right. And so, um, and it doesn't matter if it's my young clients are all the way up to my pro clients. If I present them with something and they get wiggle body on me, I'm like, nope, we're, we're moving on. Cause it's not fit. And, and, and I just feel like there's gotta be love on both sides. There's gotta be comfort on both sides or it's just not going to work out. So I tried to provide the, the, the association, the, the, the charity, the brand with as much information about this young person as possible. So they feel like they're getting a match for their mission, their cause, the campaign. And on the other side, really the question with my clients is, do you love it? Do you believe in it? Do you stand behind it? Um, And then also letting each side know that I have vetted things as much as I can. I, for my clients, I've looked through their board of directors. I've looked through news searches to make sure there's not anything about this organization that's going to bite them down the road. And and conversely to the company that I've done as much as I can, that this person isn't going to bite you down the road as much as I can control. Um, and so that's what I try to do on, on both sides of this relationship is making sure it's a fit and not just a fit because this person wants money and this person can give it, or this person wants a celebrity and this person is one. It It, it really has to fit on all levels because the one thing about our evolved marketing world is people can spot BS much faster than they used to. And if the celebrity is just there for the check or the person is just endorsing the product for the right. check, it it's so obvious. We've it's all so seen those painful. examples. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like so painfully obvious. Yeah. So that's that's really the vetting process that I go through to make sure that as much as I can control that this is a good fit on both sides. Oh, that is such great advice. I'm thinking of folks who've had challenges with that. And if they uh, heard your advice, I think they could avoid (laughs) them in the future. I also want to ask you, what is your take on which channels matter? You, you know, you mentioned the platform formerly known as Twitter. We've seen a lot of changes just this year alone. Uh, What do you see when you're working with, young athletes compared to professional athletes in mm-hmm. terms of the channels that matter, Francis. So, I mean, for, for my, my young athletes, TikTok and Instagram rule their world. Um, Twitter still matters to them during the recruitment process, but once they get recruited at the collegiate level, their interest in Twitter's drops off very rapidly. But Coaches and recruiters are still very much on Twitter. So if you're a parent with a child that's going through the the college recruitment process, that's where you need to be. Uh, But for my young athletes, once they've already made that transition, or even more so if they've made the transition from collegiate sports to pro, it's it's all about TikTok and, and Instagram. That's where they want to be. But I always keep pulling them back to LinkedIn. Like I remind people constantly, LinkedIn is far more powerful than young people give it credit for. Mm. And for my 
young men and women who are working with charities or building campaigns. I'm like, you need to be on LinkedIn because you are doing business work and you need to be on a business platform for yourself and out of respect for the organization that is collaborating with you. So they're board of directors and stakeholders can see you on this platform. So it's a platform that they would not gravitate towards if I didn't tell them to, but I pull them over for a leader. Of course, depending depending on the industry, depending on who your target market is. Uh, but for the leader as a CEO, LinkedIn so much matters. Like I, I, I get angry at people when I'm like, why aren't you writing articles? Why aren't you posting content on LinkedIn? People are on there. Like, I see great people all the time doing great polls on LinkedIn now and putting far more interactive content on there, which I love. Um, I, I'm I'm on LinkedIn five million times a day, and I know I'm not the only one. So I get I always scold leaders when they're like, I don't even I don't even bother with my LinkedIn. I'm like, why? And they're like, well, I'm not looking for a job. That's not the point. You're in a job. You should be promoting the job that you're in to get the next job that you want. Every every AD in college athletics is looking for the next job. And most of them are not on LinkedIn. And I'm like, why not? Why aren't you? So, so um, for leaders, LinkedIn is still relevant, but all these other platforms can be relevant for you too, depending on your industry. But for young people, TikTok and, and Instagram rule rule their world. Yeah. But we cannot not talk about YouTube. YouTube is everybody. I always remind people, I'm like, YouTube is the number one used social media platform in the world. So if your organization is not making video and as a leader, if you are not the face of at least the majority of that of those videos, then what's going on over there? What's happening? So um, while there's things that young people are interested in and older generations are into, everyone is on YouTube, and so don't neglect that in your in your mix. Yeah, it's it is a mix, right? It does. I mean, you you sort of spliced it up in the right ways that folks have to connect and gave like the specific use case of how. Twitter or X is really powerful for athletic recruiting, for example, which right. I didn't realize. Um, I want to ask lastly, you know, a lot of the chief influencers we talk to tell us that they don't always get their inspiration from direct industry peers, but rather they get it from maybe outside of the typical spaces that you would expect and they bring those lessons back. And I just wonder. Um, where do you find inspiration that you're able to bring back to your work and to your clients outside of just the the usual places we might expect it? Yeah. So I don't really pay attention to my peers in my industry because it's a lot of like, look at me, look at me. Um, And so I actually, you know, those of us who work in associations, I don't, I don't think we ever really leave associations. Um, And so I actually look back at my peers people that I worked with way back when, and they've all gone on to new and different things. You, other other people have gone on to different things. And so I, I take from, from things that I'm seeing out there from my peers. And the reason that I go back, one, because I love you all and, and we all came up together in this industry and there's you know something very beautiful about that. But what I love most is that there the the fundamentals of marketing are still there. I'm seeing yeah. people 
still go back to the fundamentals. You know, we have tools like chat GBT and other things that help us do our jobs better, more efficiently. But my peers from way back in the day, they're still, even though they're using these tools in in some way, shape or form, we've evolved, but you can still see the fundamentals of our industry in their work. And I love that. And I get inspired that you can use these tools and do amazing things, but always come back home to the fundamentals of how we do our craft. Um, and so that's why I always go back and see what what my old pals are up to in whatever you know route they've taken, because I know the quality of their work. I've seen it over the years and I know what they can do. And I I love seeing that growth and development and it just it reinvigorates me from time to time. And it also gives me just a fresh perspective that I take over into the sports world that people there just aren't using. Yeah. I love how you're, you're taking those fundamentals of integrated marketing that you've learned throughout your career, working with, you know, big brands and big industry associations to athletes and folks who are starting charities and all the great work there. And then vice versa, Today, you've taken some lessons of what can we learn from a rising star high school athlete who's leveraging NIL to, you know, get thousands of followers and get deals with brands. And what can those leaders learn? So it goes both ways. And you have been a fire starter since before <laughs> you started that brand. And we can see that you're continuing to do that um, with those lessons like what you shared of start small, start somewhere, you know, just find a place to experiment because we can't just do things the way that we used to do them. We have to find ways to continue to evolve with what you call the evolving marketing landscape. So Francis, I am so thrilled that you were able to be with us today and congratulations on uh, being named a chief influencer by the communications board. And I just want to ask, can you, where should folks find you if they have questions or they want to follow the work that you're doing? I'm literally impossible not to find. Uh, you can find me at www.yourfirestarter.com on uh, Instagram at Firestarter CEO, on TikTok at Firestarter CEO, on Twitter at Your Firestarter, and at LinkedIn on Francis Reimers at Francis Reimers. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you for having me. Thank you for joining us for another episode of Chief Influencer, a production of Social Driver and the Communications Board. If you know a leader who should be featured as a chief influencer, please nominate them at chiefinfluencer.org. For show notes and more, visit us at chiefinfluencer.org or follow Chief Influencer on LinkedIn. Until next time.